Good morning. Uh, this morning we're, we're starting, we kind of began on Easter Sunday, Rise Up is the sermon series, and we're looking at sort of what the resurrection means for us um, as God's people, as we live in day in and day out of our lives. Like, it was a, a big event, and it's an event that we celebrate, and it has implications for us. It, it's significant, and what it means is we live our lives as Christians faithfully following Jesus. And so the resurrection is not a new concept. Um, and, and the reason why I share this is because when you get to the New Testament, uh, there are, are a lot of different Jewish groups, sects of Judaism, that have different beliefs and ideas and understandings about what God is up to and how God works. Uh, some of the Jewish groups believe that resurrection is not a thing. Like it's not something that God was going to promise. And this is why when Jesus talks about resurrection, some of them get really uncomfortable and don't like what they hear because they don't believe this is how God is going to work. But other Jewish groups uh, very much are, are anticipating some sort of resurrection, some sort of statement of bold new life in and through Christ that was going to change the way things worked and restore things to the way that they should be. And so by the time we get to the Gospels and Jesus is teaching and he's referring to himself as the resurrection and the life, this isn't like a random, just out of the blue concept. Resurrection had been part of many narratives of the Old Testament leading to the period of Christ. We see stories in the Old Testament of people being raised to the dead and we see reflections on what resurrection might mean for us. And so one of the things that I think is important to sort of know, like, and, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't, um, it's a bit of trivia. Somebody told me I should do like trivia, Bible trivia, and maybe win money, I don't know. But um, the, you know, the question is, what is the oldest book in the Bible, right? Most people kind of default to Genesis, right? Would you think Genesis is the oldest book of the Bible? Is that fair, right? Seems like the natural choice, it's the first book that accounts for creation. But in fact, Genesis is not the oldest book of the Bible that we have. The oldest book of the Bible that we have is the book of Job. Out of all the manuscripts that we have found in biblical archaeology, out of everything that we've read, the actual, the oldest dated book that we have is the book of Job. And in fact, the book of Job is so old that it is written in a form of Hebrew that most of the Old Testament isn't written in, a more archaic form of Hebrew. And what that means is, when you read it, it doesn't translate always as easily as some of the rest of the Hebrew. Because we don't know what all the words mean. And if you're familiar with biblical archaeology, kind of what happens is we have literal, literal scrolls that we translate and we learn to translate. And as we translate it, we have other scrolls that help us interpret what we're translating to kind of confirm what we're reading. And so sometimes we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have missing fragments from these scrolls and we'll be missing a line of scripture and then we'll find a scroll and that line will be in it. And so we'll put it in. Or we'll see like five or six scrolls and they'll translate a word or two just slightly different. And so we have to like look at all of them and kind of decide really what's going on. And when you find uh, the book of Job in this scroll, there are, there are a handful of words because of, of how old the book is that we actually don't know the meaning for. Like we, from context, we kind of know what it is, but we don't actually literally know what the translation is. 
And so if you have a King James Bible, for example, this is what King James translation would do. And there are several animals in the book of Job that we don't have the translation for. And so, so in the King James translation, they'll just say, it was a unicorn. <laughs> and people will be like, well, there are unicorns in your Bible. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, it's a placeholder, right? Like we know it's an animal of some sort. And so we're going to put the ridiculous animal there so that we know what we're doing. Like we're not trying to say it's a unicorn. We just don't know what it is. The ESV, you know, it tries to translate it like ox or some sort of wild beast or something. Um, but there are words that we're, we're still not 100% sure on uh, because the manuscript is so old that the language is lost to us. Some of the language is lost to us. And why this is significant, I think, is because Job, being the oldest book that we have in scripture deals with a lot of significant themes that come up over and over and over again in the life of a Christian for sure, but in all the stories of the Old and New Testament. Job deals heavily with themes of death and loss and faith. I read a, a little section of Job earlier where he sort of asked the question, what happens to man when he dies? And, and and he, he sort of reflects on the truth of what God is doing in his life. And I want to read another section here from chapter 19, 23 through 27. Job says, Oh, that my words are written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. With an iron pen and lead, they are engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has thus destroyed yet in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another my heart faints within me the thing about Job just to give you some context in this story because uh, we read a, a few you know a few lines is it, it's an it's a unique and interesting book um, because it starts off with a sort of a peculiar setup Job is known as a, a faithful man. He, he has a lot of children. He has a lot of property. And he is known as a man who was blameless, it says in the text, and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And so the thought is, in a way, is because he is so faithful, because he has no evil intent, because he honors everything that he has and does, God blesses him. He has children and property and, and animals, and he's wealthy. And so everyone's looking at Job, and people are thinking, Job has all this stuff because he's so good that God continues to bless him. And so there's this scene at the beginning of Job where Satan shows up in God's throne room, and he says to God, the only reason why Job is faithful to you is because you bless him so much. If you weren't blessing him, he would lose faith, he would curse you, and he would die. And God says, that's not true. Job is a faithful man, and, and it's not because of what he has. And so Satan asks God if he can basically torment Job to prove a point. And God lets him. And so what happens? Satan takes away all of Job's property. Satan takes away all of his livestock and animals. 
and he takes the life away from all of his children and his wife. Literally everything Job has is removed from him. And it says in the text that Job arose in this, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And what's interesting is, as all these things happen, as his health goes, as his family goes, as his animals go, as his property goes, it still says at the end of this, after all this happens, he still is blessing the name of the Lord. He's still giving God praise, even as he's dealing with death and loss and issues of faith. It's because of this that when we get to the New Testament in James chapter 5, Job is spoken of so well. It says, Behold and consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. I mean, Job has a reputation. A reputation for losing everything and yet still praising God. And the reason why this is is because Job mourns all this loss with a sense still of hope and hopefulness. Because he knows the truth. And so you get this dynamic in the book of Job where all these terrible things happen to him. And he has three friends, goofball, doofus friends, that come around him and try to help him. Which, you know, that's what friends do. When you're going through a hard time, they come around and help you. But what do Job's friends tell him? They tell him things that aren't true. They tell him that the reason why he's being punished is because he's wicked. And Job's like, no, I'm not wicked. And heck, even the wicked get blessed. What are you talking about? Or there must be some sort of unconfessed sin, something you must have done terribly wrong. And so on and so forth. They keep trying to make up some excuse to sort of explain God's actions. And Job's not looking for God to be explained. He's not looking for some excuse to be made for God. At his heart, at his core, he knows God is God. And blessed be his name. This is a hard thing to hear. But we read a little bit earlier in Job 14. You can cut to see, you can kind of see what Job knows and what he believes. He asks this question, he says, if a man dies, shall he live again? He says, all the days of my service I would wait until my renewal should come. Job has this sense, even though he has experienced all this profound loss, that there's some renewal that is to come. Like if, if a man dies, will he live again? There must be something. There's something that is coming, some sort of renewal, some sort of promise. And he unpacks what this is in chapter 19. He says, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. And he says, after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh shall I see God. That is, this is a messianic sort of prophecy fulfillment text from the oldest manuscript that we have access to, Job says, for I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand over all of creation. Who does that sound like? 
Jesus, a Redeemer, who sits at the right hand of God the Father over all of creation, alive. But then Job asks, after my skin has been destroyed, like he, he sort of acknowledges, like when I die, like yes, I'm going to return to ash. Like my skin is going to cease to exist. My flesh will be destroyed. And yet, he says, in my flesh I will see God. That is, even though my body is going to break down, even though this flesh will cease to exist, I will be resurrected. I will stand before God in my physical flesh, body and soul, risen. Oldest book, oldest manuscript points to this truth. That even though our bodies may decay, our soul and our body will be reunited and risen because Christ is risen. Jesus speaks about this in John chapter 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that's the question, right? For this woman that Jesus is speaking to, it's the question for us. It's the question for Job. Do you believe this? Do you believe that even though we may lose everything in this life, that we may not have all the possessions we want, or we may have all the things that we have taken away from us? Do you believe that even though your friends and loved ones will die, do you believe that even you will cease to exist physically, even though you will cease to be present in a real way? Do you believe in the midst of the pain, the loss, the suffering, the brokenness, all the things that go wrong in this world, the wars, the rumors of wars, the uncertainty of what is going to come next? Do you believe that God is risen from the dead in Christ and over all of creation? Or don't you? Do you believe that he is judging the living and the dead and that he will restore all of creation to what he originally intended it to be? Do you believe that he is with you yesterday, today, and tomorrow in and through everything, working to restore all of creation through his gift and his promise? Job, despite the advice of his friends and the pain that he experienced, believed. God is real. Life will win. Those who know Jesus, despite what they experience, the good, the bad, and the ugly, they believe. He is real. He is risen, therefore I am risen. And this is what this season's about. <laughs> it's about the promise and the hope that even in the midst of the brokenness and the pain and the shame that we believe 
And be because we believe that he is risen, we will rise too. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.